This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 460. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and I'm joined today by Matthew Marister. Greetings, sir. What is up, brother? Happy, happy to be here alive with you and uh, ready to go for Thanksgiving. Absolutely, mm-hmm. man. You know, here we are on this Thanksgiving Eve, looking forward to a great holiday tomorrow uh, with my family and my loved ones here. Uh, I know you're doing the same. Mm-hmm. And so we wish everyone from us here at the Concealed Carry Podcast a happy Thanksgiving. And we hope that it is memorable and joyful and uh, and also safe for all of you out there. Because some of you will be defying governor's orders and such and probably traveling to be with loved ones. And not only do I uh, think that's okay, I would almost say I encourage it. In fact, I would say I encourage it. That's <laughs> um, Depends. I guess it depends on where you are. It depends on the um, level of enforcement that comes with such orders. In other words, I don't advocate for breaking the law, but sometimes some of the, some of this stuff is pretty silly. Mm-hmm. However, I recognize that COVID nineteen is actually it is a serious thing for some folks. It's impacted my family directly, uh, including some on a very personal level. At the same time, this is still America, right? Mm-hmm. Well, anyway. We wish you a happy Thanksgiving. This this is our first episode, of course, today. Uh, we have another one coming up here in three hours, uh, 4 p.m. Mountain Time. Uh, we'll do episode 461. I believe it'll be Jacob and me. And uh, look forward to that as well. So but let's get into today's episode where we're breaking down the Shooter Ready Challenge this month, uh, which features the El Presidente drill. Uh, classic drill and a big like a kind of a core component of that drill, if you will, is the turn and draw that it that it that it starts with, right? Because you, a classic El Presidente, you start with your back to the target, and so you have to turn around, find your target, draw, and shoot your targets. And we'll we'll break that down some you know further here in a, in a bit. Um, but uh, that's going to be kind of the focus of our episode today. We're going to break down the El Presidente. I'm going to give you some tips on how to succeed at El Presidente. And then we're going to transition into talking about just the general idea of our draw, the draw of our gun having different movement incorporated, whether it is a turn and draw, it could be a 90 degree turn. It could be 180 degree turn. It could be a 45 degree turn. I don't really care. The idea of a turn and draw, but also drawing and moving with a gun as well. Something that I have a little bit of experience with, uh, especially since we do that a lot in USPSA competitive shooting. Uh, today's episode is sponsored by, and they are also sponsors of the Shooter Ready Challenge, which is found at ShooterReadyChallenge.com. We have LASRX, the virtual training software for dry, for dry fire training, uh, software I've been using now for some time. And the LaserX version is the is the best thing that they've come out with yet because it works with any electronic device that is internet connected. So whether I've, I've used it on my iPhone, I've used it on my iPad, I've used it on my, my laptop, my other computers, uh, you know, between Jacob and me, we've tested it on, on Kindle fire tablets, on Android phones of various types. 
uh, Windows-based computers, Mac computers, it all works because LaserX runs right within your internet browser, uh, which is awesome because the classic version of LASR or Laser Activated Shot Reporter was only compatible with Windows operating systems. Right. Uh, so, you know, I actually bought a win. I hadn't used a, a, a Windows-based machine in, in a few years, and I bought a laptop, a, an expensive one, just so I could run the Laser software. But LaserX fixes all of that. Uh, I, I, you know, here's the thing. I use a lot of different tools for dry fire practice, and, and I'm going to feature another one of those tools in a second here for our other sponsor spot. The thing that, while I may not use Laser X for everything, where it excels is it's the one of the only things, it may be the only thing I have found and, and found to work reliably that allows me to actually do shot timer stuff, like actual get actual recorded shot times in a virtual or dry fire training environment, right? And that is the power and the value of something like Laser X software. Learn more at LASRAPP, laserapp.com today. And today's other episode sponsor is Next Level Training's Cert Pistol. I have the still relatively new P320 model here, holding it up in front of the camera for those that are viewing with us today. Uh, and uh, this is great, you know, because I, you guys know I run a 320 platform most of the time these days. So finally having a P320 version of the Cert Pistol, much appreciated. I've used also Cert Pistols for a long time uh, as, as training tools. I use them in classes for demonstrations. Uh, we can use Cert Pistols for demonstrations where we want to be safe. We want to maybe demonstrate something where a gun is pointed more in the direction of a student. And, you know, maybe because sometimes there's things we can learn from being able to view things like grip or, or how I'm positioning things as I'm holding or presenting a, a gun to the target. You can see some of that stuff from a front angle that maybe you can't see from over the shoulder or from the side. So I use Sir Pistols in that context all the time. And we've even used them in some kind of like very simple force-on-force uh, uh, force type scenarios. Uh, you want to be careful with that because we don't want to shine lasers in people's eyes and stuff like that. But for some real simple basic demonstrations, I've used cert pistols in that context as well, and it works great because it is a inert training device. cannot hurt you unless you stare at the laser in your eye for long. <laughs> uh, so don't do that. Don't do that. I would not recommend it. Uh, particularly this particular model. This is the P320 full-size, and it has the green laser in it. So it is the, the green laser is really really bright. Mm. Anyway, I use the uh, cert pistol in this month's shooter ready challenge video that is up and posted to shooterreadychallenge.com. Guys, if you want to learn more about cert pistols, maybe perhaps consider picking up your own. Head on over to nextleveltraining.com today. So, and before I get too far along here, Matthew, uh, I, I got to introduce a special guest. Okay. And it is Manhattan Special, naturally flavored soda, sarsaparilla. <laughs> I figured when you said that, I was trying to think about what you were going to bring back out. And that's where, that's where my mind went, thankfully. Of course. So Jacob and I were uh, in Oklahoma City last week, uh, uh, Thursday, Friday. And, uh, you know, had some business down there. Um, 
uh, actually did some things with CCW Safe, a sponsor of the podcast. Uh, and our buddy, Brian Eastridge, host of the On Duty, Off Duty podcast, which, if, guys, if you haven't checked that out, head on over to ondutyoffdutypodcast.com or maybe it's ondutyoffduty.com. I think it is ondutyoffduty.com. Anyway, um, Brian uh, was kind of our tour guide there for part of our our excursions in in uh, Oklahoma City, and he took us to this place called Pops, uh, Pop sixty six, I think. It's a, it's a little uh, it's like a convenience store, a little gas station uh, in Arcadia, Oklahoma, which is pretty pretty close to uh, Oklahoma City, and they have like every variety of root beer and cream soda and sarsaparilla and all kinds of stuff, dude. It was, it was really cool. So I picked up this bottle of Manhattan special sarsaparilla and Brian said he, he had one and he said it was good. So we're going to open this up on air right now. (laughs) You hear that? Sounds good. Here we go. All right. First, first sip. Ooh, yeah. Yep. That is a winner. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. Manhattan special sarsaparilla. If you guys uh, have a, a liking for non-alcoholic brewed drinks, <clears throat> this this one's good. I like it. Sweet. Mm. All right. We'll be sipping on that for the rest of this episode. All right. Some of you I know don't care and are probably fast forwarding through uh, the podcast right now. Uh, but, uh, you know, there was a while, there was a stretch there where I had root beer like every episode. Um, you know, I've tried to cut back on my sugar intake, uh, but boy, mm, this one's making it difficult today. Uh, it's a good thing I don't have like a six pack of these things. <clears throat> all right. <laughs> so, all right, let's uh, let's get into the shoot rate challenge. Matthew, tell us a little bit about, you know, from your perspective. Uh, obviously, I, I filmed and made the video for the shoot rate challenge uh, this month. As I typically do, uh, from your perspective, tell me you know what what you saw and, and what your thought your initial thoughts are on the shoe raid challenge, El Presidente. Yeah, so you know, I I know we have some people that are competitive shooters and some people that listen that are strictly you know self defense shooters, and then those that you know like a little bit of everything. Um, and some people will be like, well, you know, I don't like running specific drills because it's not a scenario, right? Like this isn't a scenario that I'm going to get into. So why practice it? And we know, and I just like to throw this out as a caveat with any of these, when we're talking about drills is that they're working on specific skills, right? Like individual micro skills or a combination of different skills. Um, It's not necessarily that we're working on a scenario. So let me just caveat um, any of these drills that we're talking about, but I like the El Presidente drill because it doesn't require a ton of ammunition, right? Um, w- when ammunition prices are extremely high um, and it works on a, m- a multitude of different skills, right? Like it works on uh, because y- you're going to be doing a magazine change. So you'll, you'll work on that. You'll work on turning and, um, you know, picking up the target and then addressing the target, right? So a lot of times we, we start already looking at the target, right? Um, so this is, a, a, is works, works on picking up the target quickly, um, and then presenting the firearm to it. Uh, so you work on your presentation, you work on a little bit of footwork, uh, getting your, 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 your base, um, you work on, uh, target transitions, right. And so, um, and follow-up shots. So sort of like, uh, 
don't want to say a cadence, but like a uh, shooting to, to to see how quickly you can see your sights and see the target and how quickly you can do that and put effective shots and then transition. So it basically it throws a whole bunch of different things into a, a you know, a small, short uh, duration drill. And, uh, and and I think it's really, really a beneficial drill to, to work on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot going on in the El Presidente drill. Uh, real quick before I get too too much further along here, too, uh, <clears throat> I'm actually going to give a little bit of the background or history of the El Presidente drill because uh, I think it's kind of interesting and, and unique. <clears throat> Not every drill has a backstory like El Presidente does. But real quick, I wanted to address a couple of things. Uh, there was a question about if the uh, P320 or if the CERT pistols are part of our Black Friday sale. And that reminded me. I am sorely remiss by failing to mention our Black Friday sale, which is open to all, but Guardian Nation members get even more of a discount. Uh, So, yes, our Black Friday sale kicks off for Guardian Nation members tonight at midnight and rolls all the way through tomorrow. Uh, Well, it continues through the weekend, but but for Black or for Guardian Nation members, they get basically a day early or access to the Black Friday sale. and then Friday morning at midnight, if you will, is when the sale goes live for everybody. And uh, the discounts are not quite as awesome for non-Guardian Nation members, but there's still there's a lot of really great deals to be had. So our Black Friday sale can be found at concealedcarry.com forward slash Black Friday if you want to see our sales flyer uh, that has been put out. And uh, I will say that the CERT pistols are not a part of the sale this year, although they have been in years past. And part of the reason for that is, as Keith notes, he asks if the 320 CERT is in stock. He's been waiting for over two months for his CERT. And I am really sorry for that. Keith, you should know that everybody in the industry that sells CERTs is dealing with the same thing. But there is a massive shortage of CERT pistols. And Next Level Training, we've been working with closely, communicating with them, uh, and I know that they are working hard to get caught up on CERT pistols. So please continue to be patient with them. And yes, you can continue to order them. And yes, they are back-ordered, but I promise you the wait is worth it. Uh, So yeah, Um, so it would not make much sense to put the CERT pistols in the sale this year where we're already dealing with quite a bit of a, a shortage slash back order for the CERTs. But yes, uh, Keith, I, I, I hope that yours will come through very soon. Um, it, it's hard for me to know exactly where we're at on that, but there you go. There's an update on that. All right, back to the El Presidente. Um <clears throat> So the El Presidente was was basically conceived by uh, the the great Jeff Cooper that everybody knows and loves, uh, and and basically the idea was he he served you know as a Marine back in the Pacific in World War II right um, after the war and I'm actually I'm quoting some of this from an article on handgunsmag.com written by James Tarr a great a great guy. Um, so nice little history here. He says, after the war, Jeff Cooper did a little work for the OSS slash CIA in the same area. Uh, about 50 years ago, he was trained. He was hired to train bodyguards of the president of a Latin American country. He developed a shooting drill he named El Presidente to not just help train those bodyguards, but measure their skill level. Here's the El Presidente. It's three targets set in a line with three yards between the targets. Uh, the the the, uh, 
the USPSA standard is one yard between targets, FYI. So when you shoot the drill, the actual classifier version of El Presidente and USPSA, you have the three targets. They're set at 10 yards, and that's true to Cooper's original drill. Uh, but then you put a yard, you put three feet between the shoulders, if you will, between three uh, uh, USPSA targets. All right. You start 10 yards away, facing away from the targets, hands above shoulders in a surrender position. At the start signal, the shooter turns towards the targets, draws your gun from concealment or not concealment, but that's the classic way of running it. And you shoot each target twice. You then perform a reload and then re-engage each target with two rounds. Uh, some pe people like to run it <clears throat> with the, uh, 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 with a slide lock reload and, but the, the USPSA classifier version of this and the way I typically practice and shoot it is just with a speed reload, meaning you dump the magnets in the gun. Uh, you're typically leaving a round in the chamber and you're just simply inserting a fresh magazine. So that is the, uh, a little bit of the history, right? Going back to Jeff Cooper, his experience training these, uh, uh, these other this other country's bodyguards for their president. And he thought this would be a great drill uh, and a great test of skill. And it really is because <clears throat> it's no joke shooting three targets at 10 yards at speed. Cause the goal here obviously is to, you know, go fast uh, or at least to get it done as quickly as you can. It's no joke. You know, this isn't a seven yard drill. This isn't a five yard drill. This is a 10 yard drill. So it's, it's enough of a distance that, it, it requires you to aim. <laughs> in other words, you're not going to get lucky and get all hits on these targets if you aren't at least making some effort to aim your gun. Uh, you have multiple transitions, right? Target one, transition to target two, transition to target three, and then you reload and you do it all again. And even to some extent, your, your, your reload itself is, is almost another form of of a transition, right? Because your gun, your gun's coming off target, and then you're having to go back on target. Um, you're testing the reload. You're testing this whole idea of turning and drawing, right? So there's a lot going on, and that's one of the reasons why I think it is a a an awesome, well-rounded, classic drill because you have a turn, a draw, three targets with transitions, a reload, and doing that all again at a at an intermediate distance that requires a relatively decent, you know, level of skill to execute all that and get good hits at speed. That's the El Presidente. Mm -hmm. Shot it, Matthew. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you know, um, as you were explaining that, um, I was thinking about a couple things that, well, I, I won't jump ahead. I'll let you kind of build it out as far as, um, you know, the, the principles or the, the different fundamentals that we're working on. Um, but there's a couple things that I like to do that I'll, add, I'll, you probably do the same things, um, as far as to try to make it more, um, less scripted and more kind of, um, uh, decision-making. So, but yeah, I, you, you hit all the, all the big, big things about El Presidente. I didn't know, I, I knew Jeff Cooper made it, but, uh, or designed it, but I didn't know all the back history. So thanks for sharing that. That's cool. Yeah. So it's a drill. that has been around a long time <clears throat> and many people have been tested on it. It's one of the most, it, it's, it's one of, it's a, it's a drill that has probably some, some of the largest 
database, if you will, the largest amount of data about it uh, because so many shooters have shot it and they've shot it in a controlled environment, meaning USPSA competitive shooting because it's a it's a it's an actual classifier, meaning that when USPSA clubs set this up has to be set up exactly correctly, dimensionally accurate. Everybody shoots it the exact same way and all those hits and scores and times are recorded for all history and and sent off to the USPSA and recorded uh, uh, there at headquarters. And then of course you're given a classifier uh, a score, if you will, or you're, you're basically given a percentage that because this one's been around for so long <clears throat> and is so well documented that, you know, th- there is a, is, I think it's a very accurate, it's a very high standard. Okay. But <clears throat> when, when you shoot this and you're told you did this at a 70%, you know, level of a grandmaster of, of your high hit factor on that, on this particular drill, like that's pretty spicy. Just so you know, it, it, a solid B class run is pretty spicy in this drill. An A class or a master class run is really, really, really good. Okay. Uh, basically what I have noticed, Matthew, and I've shot this and tested myself on this a few times is I can get it done pretty well in about five and a half, like pretty consistently in about five and a half seconds, uh, sometimes a bit quicker, but where, where, where it kind of separates me from where the separation is between awesome and okay is with my hits. Mm -hmm. And that is, I mean, you've got three targets, two hits on each one at 10 yards it doesn't take a lot of deviation to throw stuff outside the A zones and even sometimes out of the out of the C zones. So, um, what we want to do is give folks a couple of tips about how to succeed at the El Presidente drill. And this is kind of what I walk through in the Shooter Ready Challenge. Uh, the first thing I'm going to mention, Matthew, is the actual turn and draw. And I see Elky here, who's viewing the pod. Cast. He he's mentioning a specific technique for doing that turn and draw. I try to avoid getting too much into the technique of the act as far as like what exactly I'm doing with my feet as I'm doing this. Um, because while there are some better ways of doing it, I you know, in theory, um, the 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 most important thing in all honesty is getting your head around as early as possible and finding your first target and letting your eyes get settled and focused on that first target that, that's more important than any of your your footwork is that one thing is getting your head around eye on target that dictates everything else that follows now what we don't want to end up with is with an unstable or unbalanced position as far as our feet okay so i'll go so far as to say that we you know we want to make sure our feet and our balance and everything is is well balanced um because that if it's if we're not balanced if our footwork is weird or funky or out of whack then that's going to not help us get you know we're not going to we're going to struggle a little bit with getting good hits and and having good recoil management and so forth as we go through these 12 shots and a reload so but the first and foremost priority is getting your head turned around so as I'm standing there getting ready to go, my hands are in my surrender position. Uh, I'm waiting for the beep of the shot timer. 
like the is basically what I'm priming myself to do as soon as I hear that beep, you know, the bit of the beep is whip my head around. Okay. And if I do that and I find the target quickly and early, then everything else just seems to follow. Meaning my feet come around, uh, my, my, my gun is going to go to that point, you know, so everything is dictated by that first target acquisition and what I see in some shooters is they are too lackadaisical. They're too relaxed in getting their head around and getting their eye on the target. Now, I would say this. I know that it's not a common thing that we practice or that we even really see as far as in the real life, like a tactical scenario where we have a threat directly behind us and we suddenly need to turn around and shoot that threat. Uh, but what this drill teaches us is the importance of us getting eyes on the target as soon as possible. And then that's where the gun is going to go to, right? Wherever we're coming from, whatever position we are in eyes on target is the priority when we are not already looking at it or, or in particular when our head or face is not directly facing the target. So get that head around early, get eye on target. Everything else will typically follow. Um, Matthew, you watched the shoot raid challenge video, yeah? Yes, sir. Uh, well, first of all, any any thoughts or comments about about what I just covered there? Yeah, ago. I was just I was just writing down a little note to come back. Um, yeah, eye on target is huge because, like you said, whether it's for the drill sake or for real life sake, right? Like we we have to start a, typically like on the range, right? Or if you're running the drill and you know what you're running, the go sign is a beep or whatever it might be, and you know what you're going to do. Um, still you want to get your head around and start picking up the, the the targets right so you can quickly address them and orient the gun towards it and position your body towards it as best as you can but in real life right like it, it, application is you need to start making decisions on does this thing need to be shot how far is it are there two people because the go signal might be like hey what the heck is that or you might hear somebody screaming Right. And so you're turning around, not necessarily knowing that I'm going to shoot three people that are standing at the same distance or whatever. So it, whether or not it's you're putting it in a practical application or the drill itself, you know, your head getting around to so you can orient yourself and say, OK, what do I need to do? Uh, really important. So, yeah, I, I would have totally agree getting oriented and then allowing your yourself to set up that good base in whatever sort of direction or orientation that you, you, you find is appropriate. Yeah. Awesome. What would be another tip for someone to succeed at the El Presidente drill? Yeah. I, I mean, I would say, you know, first getting your eyes on that target and then bring the gun to that target. It's sort of like when we talk about um, well, when we start talking about transitioning between targets, right, we always lead with the eyes instead of, you know, bringing the, the sights over and then kind of looking over or swinging your eyes along with the sights and everything at one time, we tend to overshoot um, and then have to overcorrect back. Um, so it, we're, we're a little bit slower. So I would say, you know, the, the, the first thing, once you orient yourself, getting, getting your eyes oriented on what you're going to be shooting, right? or identifying, Hey, I need to shoot this. And then bringing your gun to bear on, on those, you know, to that point rather than trying to get the gun out and then start searching as to where you need to shoot. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, uh, really good stuff there because we, we do talk about this in tra- transitions, and let's be clear. So it's not that let's say my let's say my eyes and my arms, meaning the gun, is on target one. It's not that I put my eyes on target two and then move my gun right. or arms. Uh, it's just that simply that the eyes really needs to get to the next target a little before my hands and my gun get there. But but when I'm shooting a target and I'm about to transition, my eyes and my hands leave this at the same time. So that's right. an important distinction. So they leave target one at the same time. But it only it's only going to take about four or five hundredths of a second for my eye to go from target one to target two. Like very, 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 very little amount of time, right? It's going to take a little more time than that. Uh, generally, at least two-tenths, maybe close to three-tenths of a second for the hand and gun to get there. Um, but my eye needs to find that next target as soon as possible. And then it makes it really easy for mm-hmm. the hand and the gun to come over. I think it was Ben Stager, uh, world champion shooter, you know, in pro, he 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 also uh, travels the country, teaches classes these days as well. I think I, I think it was him that talked about or described how we use it's like the cursor of our mouse as we're navigating across the hmm. screen, and it's a very you know we don't even think about doing it right. We just look on our screen, you know, that next button or that thing we're going to go to and push, and our hand just automatically follows it. So I, I try not to overthink my transitions. Like I, I, there was a time I think I was overthinking them, like and, and really driving the transition. Uh, it's not that we want to be slow, right? Um, how much we need to truly drive it, I don't, I don't know. But what I do know is if my eye gets the target, the next target quickly, it's pretty easy and pretty natural for my hands to just simply follow and get there as well. Um, and so that's kind of the way I think about transitions these days is sort of like, well, my mouse cursor is over here on this part of my screen. And now my eye is going to go over to this part of the screen and the mouse cursor is just going to go, you know, right there. And sometimes we don't land exactly on the right spot with our mouse cursor and we make a little bit of refinement, but it happens very quickly and very intuitively. And we do the same thing with our gun. Eye goes to the next target, gun follows, we make slight amount of refinement if necessary, and then we send our next shot. And it can happen very quickly. So that's a great one. Here's another tip for success to El Presidente. <clears throat> what we typically see, what I see, and something I struggle with myself, is each target is treated as an individual target with transitions in between, rather than... In, to use words of my buddy, Tim Heron, treating it as an, as a target array. Okay. This, the distinction here is you have target one, target two and target three. And yes, they are all each individual targets, but they're also a target array. Okay. So what that means is, is there are three targets, but I'm going to shoot them from the same position. I don't have to move other than I'm making these little bit of in these transitions <clears throat> treat them as an array and don't think of them as target one, then transition target two, then transition target three. What do I what do I mean by this? Instead, treat it as six shots, but in three different locations. Okay, so the tendency is to go target one, double tap sort of thing, right? Do not double tap these because you will fail El Presidente if you try to double tap. 
is most maybe only maybe five shooters in the whole world can double tap <laughs> at 10 yards and get you know land both hits reliably in the a zone um so but the tendency is is it sounds like that right so t- target one whack whack and then transition target two whack whack transition target three whack whack so whack 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 Instead, think of it as six shots. One, two, three, four, five, six. But between two targets or between shots two and three and shots uh, four and five, you happen to move your gun. So it, it, it should sound like one, two, three, four, five, six. But you're transitioning between targets two and three and four and five. Or shots two and three and shots four, four and five. Um. What what this? It's not that I, I try to stay away these days from teaching cadence uh, when we shoot because I'm a big believer and proponent of the vision and the sights dictate the pace at which we shoot. But practicing a drill like this in this manner, even if it requires you to sort of set a cadence and try to stick to it, can be helpful in you learning how to treat those as six shots in our target array versus three individual targets with two shots each, right? Why is this even relevant? Why is it important? What is the difference that it makes? The difference is, is when we treat it like that, it tends to speed up transitions. So instead of having target one with a 20 split and then a half second or a 60th or, you know, a six tenth of a second transition to target two, and then a twenty split, and say a six tenth of a second transition to target three, and a twenty split there. Add that all up, and it's I don't know, one twenty, forty, sixty. Be like a, a one point six seconds or something to shoot those three targets like that. As opposed to, let's say I shot each target at a quarter second split, and my transitions were very close to being almost as fast. Well, we get quarter second, quarter second, quarter second, which would be three quarters of a second, and then add in two transitions. Let's say those are a third of a second. We might shave three to four tenths easily of a second off of that first target array before our reload. So, and for some of you, you're going to shave off way, like I'm giving you the examples from kind of what I see and, 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 the, and about the pace that I shoot it at. So in the past, when I shot El Presidente as sort of a dou- double tap, double tap, double tap to shooting it as one, two, three, four, five, six, my hits are not only, or my times are not only better, but my hits are better. Yeah. It, it just is. And, and it's a beautiful thing. So you end up saving time and you get better hits. Whoa, hit factor goes up in a big way, right? All right, so that's my next big tip with shooting multiple targets, particularly if they're anywhere near each other, treat them as an array, not as individual targets with whatever shots each on them. Try to keep those transitions only as long as they need to be try to get them as close to your split times as you can. And that's going to like blow your previous performance out of the water. Yeah. When you explained that, um, that was one, one thing, if you guys haven't seen, you know, the, the shooter ready challenge yet, um, make sure that that was a really good, uh, illustration. I think that you broke it down like that. 
um, because it does seem sort of counterintuitive, right? Like it would seem like, man, when I'm on target, I just need to blast those two rounds and then get over as quickly as I can to the next one. But, um, but when you, when you explain it that way, it really does show. And I mean, I've seen you run, um, that Langdon speed drill, like a champ. And, um, that's another one where your splits and your, your transition times are almost the same as you go across, you know? And so it's, it's the same concept, but, uh, you explained it really well in the video. So, and, and right here. So just wanted to, yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Bringing up the close speed drill, uh, from Ernest Langdon, because that is something that we see sometimes with shooters when they're trying to do that, that it's, they're like, whack, 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 as opposed to when I shoot it, it's, or, or, and you, you even rock it pretty well these days, bro, too. It's more like whack, 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 whack. Those last three are a little bit slower because they're, they're tighter shot, you know, headshot, but that's, you know, it's nine shots and they all sound kind of, you know, pretty even. Mm-hmm. And if you shoot it like that, then, then your control is generally pretty good. Your hits are pretty good. Uh, your transitions are, are spicy. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what we want to see from, from a drill like that with transitions. Right on. Other input or, or tips for success with the uh, El Presidente, Matthew? I think um, just in general, there's. I, I, I'm thinking of two more, but I'll, I'll throw one, and then you probably hit the other one. Um, I, I think it it bear. It's important to remind about like the when you go to do your magazine change, right? Like, sure, the the technical of the technicality or whatever you want to call it of um, getting your magazine. Uh, changing it out, inserting it and all that. But I think reestablishing the grip is another thing that once I see, you know, a lot of times where you run a drill, where you do a magazine change, whether it's planned or unplanned and you're rocking it and then you do the magazine change and your grip doesn't get back to where it was before. Mm -hmm. And so the remaining shots are just a little bit either looser or just, you you know, you don't, you don't hit it quite where you, you, where it needs to be. And so I think Mm. that's another one of those things where reestablishing the grip is after the magazine change is really important. That is a great tip. Uh, And let me, let me build on that just a little bit. So one of the, one of the things I see is, Besides the grip, maybe not getting reestablished the way it should be, um, but I see these two things as being kind of connected. So what you just talked about, but what I would add to that is also where I sometimes see shooters do the reload, and it's almost like they have to settle back in behind the gun. Mm. Um, We want to minimize that movement as much as possible. So if I'm up on target and I'm shooting, right? And then I come in for my reload. I'm going to try to do this towards the camera for those that are viewing. My gun is going to move. So from on target, it's going to move about like that. And the muzzle is going to stay about, it's basically the muzzle is still between my eye and the target. Okay. So all we're doing is dropping the bottom of the gun a little bit and canting it at an angle that is conducive to the angle my my hand is bringing the spare mag up at. And that's it. And then once that magazine's back in, I'm just rolling the hand back into the gun. 
building my grip just like I do off off of the draw. And so I'm going from that kind of that 45 degree angle that the gun is sort of canon now at this point. And we're just simply rolling the hand back into the gun and going right back to the target. It's a very minimal amount of movement in in the gun itself, the muzzle and its relationship or really kind of the tip of the gun. Your front, if you think about it in this way, my front sight, my goal when I'm doing reloads is for my front sight to basically not move. Yes, the angle changes, but if I was just putting a point on the front sight and its relationship between my eye and the target, it's staying, that point is staying in basically the same position the whole time that reload's being performed. Maybe it comes back in a little bit too, right? Which is fine because I'm not doing, I'm not doing reloads out at full extension. They're, it's coming in, but the position of it in relation to the target is is essentially the same. Just a little cant, you know, about a 45 degree cant on the gun to ease the inserting of the magazine in. So great, great, great idea there. And I think that'll help people too with rebuilding the grip. Cause I see folks doing reloads or they, 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 they change too much, right? There's too much movement. There's, there's a lot of efficiency loss when you're doing that. You're bringing in the gun too close. You're turning things weird angles that don't need to be done. And, and it's coming, particularly the biggest thing is when people are bringing the gun low in their workspace, because then you have to get all the way back up. And that's when we see a lot of wasted motion. Yeah. So, yeah. yep. Hopefully that made sense for those that are listening to the audio only. Uh, but if you have questions, never hesitate to, or don't fear to send us an email podcast at concealedcarry.com. Happy to explain things again, or even shoot a quick video for you or something and send that, send that folks way. Um, my last thing would be uh, getting the hand of the gun immediately. All right. So I talked about the importance of getting the head turned around and eyes locked on your, on your first target as soon as possible. That is my first priority, but I don't want to forget that it's also really important for me to get my hand to the gun as soon as possible as well. Now, this is specific to this drill. Is it different in a real world environment where if I say, say, if something was happening behind me and I go, what's that? And if I don't know what that is yet, I don't necessarily want hands going on guns and guns coming out of holsters before I know what it is that I'm about to you know like i kind of need to know that i need the gun before i actually get the gun out right right um so i recognize that in reality we need you know we may need to turn the head around locate whatever it is that we need to see start you know getting the body turned around oriented that way and then you know meanwhile very quickly we're taking in visual data we're going oh something's going down now the hand goes to the gun that's all fine that's all acceptable but in the context of this one drill and in the context of a simple turn and draw for the sake of practice, I'm getting my head whipped around, my eye on target, but almost immediately my hand is snapping to the gun. And I say snap because that's what how I want you to think about it. Uh, it's not a lackadaisical, lazy, you know, oh, I'm going to get my hand on my gun. And oh, I'm going to wait till I'm totally turned around, totally facing the target before I start pulling this thing out of the holster. Hmm. Now, people will, will think that they're going to draw the gun too early and like break the 180, you know, if they're concerned about that in a competition or on a flat range where the 180 is the rule. Um, 
the only way I see that being a problem is if your turn is so slow. Right. 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 But right. if you snap that head around and get your eye on target and then your body follows also aggressively, uh, you will not clear your holster before you're already well within the 180. It's pretty much how it's going to work. At the same time, we don't want to be we don't want to be slouches getting the hand to the gun and start and, and trying to draw it out. Okay. So basically the, the as I see it, these things we've touched on today, Matthew, are um, probably the the three or four biggest opportunities for someone that wants to do well at something like the El Presidente drill. Um, and really what it is, it, it the focus is all on those on those non-shooting activities that 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 suck up the time. The shooting mm-hmm. itself, it's 12 shots that you can run quarter second splits and be plenty fast on El Presidente. 12 shots at quarter second splits, that's a maximum of what 2.4 seconds. Okay. You have like if you wanted to set five seconds as your gold standard. Wait, I think I did my math wrong on that. It's three seconds or the shots. You still have two to three seconds of turn and draw and reload and still get that in a very spicy time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Quarter second splits, very doable at 10 yards. Uh, if you if you have the most basic of fundamentals down as far as grip and sight tracking and co- being able to call your shots. So just keep that in mind. This is not a splits drill. This is where can I chop off the biggest chunks of time? My turn and draw, my reload, my transitions. Those, those that's like, if you sh- work really hard on those three things, you're going to probably do very well at something like El Presidente. And it here's the thing. We talk about drills, about specific drills. Yes, they are flat range, square range, whatever drills. But these skills add up and translate into performance elsewhere. All right. So let's transition for just a few minutes, Matthew, and let's talk about the, you know, let's start with the idea of drawing with movement involved. I would like to hear your take, your, your, your input on the idea of it doesn't really matter what the start position is, but let's just say we're standing statically (laughs) and we have a situation. We're going to get our gun out, but we're going to do that with movement. So walk us through how, how you uh, approach that. Yeah. I think from a, like a, I don't want to say tactical mindset, but from a real world type of application, right? Like I don't think, of course, we want to draw and move or we want to move, period, whether we're whether we can draw or not. Right. Um, we want to move. It, it, let's say somebody is not a deadly threat to us. So we're not drawing, but they are attacking us. Right. Whether it's physically with punches or whatever, right? we're not going to draw our gun and shoot them, but we're probably going to move. So same mindset is we have to move with some sort of purpose, whether we're closing distance to kind of go so we can address whatever threat is with our hands or get, get in tighter, or we're moving to create distance or we're moving on the other side of a object to put some sort of barrier, whatever it is, we're moving with some sort of purpose. Right. So like, um, I think that the, the, 
this drill is good because again, first you need to orient yourself. You need to orient your head, your eyes and, and take in all the, all the stimulus and say, okay, what's going on? Does this person need to be shot? And so, you know, if so, what's my back, you know, what's my backdrop? Um, Where am I going to be moving to? Can I move to the left? Um, Can I even, you know, am I going to move to the left? Am I going to move to the right? Can I get my gun out in time? It might be one of those situations where somebody turns around and yes, they're a deadly threat, but drawing my gun, I'm not going to be able to outdraw this person. They may already have a gun or they're two feet away and I might have a sub-second draw. Great. But it's probably not going to be quick enough if this person's closing distance and they're only two feet away from me. Right. So um, I, I think that that's the, the initial thing is get your get your orientation right. Figure out what's going on. Get your hand close to the gun. If, if you know, if, if that's what you sense, if you hear shots or something like that, obviously, we're probably going to sense that our gun is going to be needed. Doesn't mean we're actually going to draw. It. But I think um, those types of things. So we we start doing those things automatically before we even have to start worrying about drawing or squeezing or target, right? Like get our orientation. What do we need to do? And then start coming up with, okay, I'm moving and now I'm drawing my gun and shooting or I'm drawing my gun and getting to cover or what it might, what, what you know, is, is appropriate for the situation. But, mm-hmm. um, but the drill itself, it, whether or not you're running it, you know, a straight, you know, a uh, time drill where you, it's all scripted out or you're throwing a little bit of twists and stuff to make it more kind of tactical um, is great because that is the thing, whether you're starting looking at the target or not, you have to orient yourself and figure out what you're going to do. Yep. Yeah. Um, awesome. All, all very good. And, and what I take away from what you just basically walked us through is, Everything is situationally dependent and, and context-based um, because the context of whatever situation we're in dictates the decisions that we're going to make, the things that we're going to do, and how we're going to respond to, say, a threat. Um, whether movement is more of a priority or if getting the gun out is more of a priority. Um, I would say this much. So this, what I would add from my perspective is if I have a need for my gun, in a situation, uh, it, it, getting the gun out of the holster and put into the fight is it, it, it that is the top priority. Mm-hmm. Movement is may be also required and necessary, um, but if I move in such a way that I don't get the gun out within a certain time frame or whatever, then then it might not make any it might not matter. Right. So if I need my gun, I need my gun now, then getting the gun out is a priority. The movement is a tool to buy space and time to put that into the fight while making things, you know, make while also putting our, our foe, our adversary, you know, kind of back on their heels a little bit as far as they have to now start responding and reacting to us because now we've initiated some movement as well right mm-hmm. but the, but the but the priority if the again if the if the gun is necessary to solving my shooting my my tactical problem then I've got to get it out of the holster so why I pre- why I say that why I preface what I'm about to say with that is 
sometimes what I see from certain shooters is, and we'll do these in classes I've taught where we're doing some draws and moves and stuff. And they may start moving and they take more time than they need to, to start getting the gun, getting their hand to the gun and then getting the gun out. Okay. So it's like, well, great. You're running, but every step you're taking is just adding time to when you can start countering the threat with your own gunfire. Right. So the movement is a tool, but it should not, I, in a lot of contexts, I think override or, or become more, uh, yeah, override the priority that is getting the gun out. Okay. So in other words, you shooting USPSA, by the way, is great practice for this. It's great practice because there's a lot of stages where the start position is basically, well, where pretty much you are starting with movement and you're trying to get your gun out. Hmm. Okay. Um, at the very least, so even if you're not required to to start moving and, and then draw on a stage, there's a lot of stages where that's advantageous because your draw takes minimum, you know, for most people, a second to a second and a half. Uh, and we're talking USPSA style gear, open holster, a little bit of standoff from the body. It's relatively easy to grab and draw. A second to a second and a half is very doable for most, for even you know B and C class shooters in USPSA. Um, that's actually quite a bit of time, especially on cer- some stages. A second to a second and a half, right? So now some stages I have no choice but to stand there, draw, and draw as best and as fast as I can, and then start shooting the stage. But there's stages, too, where I look at and go, well, I know I have to at some point end up over here in this other position. But I also have to draw my gun. And while I could stand here and shoot these targets right in front of me, I know I got to come back to those anyway at some point. But I also got to go get over to this other point. Well, I could move to that other position while I'm drawing my gun. And then my draw is almost like it's free. Because I, it's being done during a period of time when I'd have to move anyway, right? It's just that it, that would that would catch up with me later on if I stood there and draw, drawed or drew or whatever, and then had to move through the course of fire. It, that would all catch up to me and it would add up. So sometimes starting with movement and drawing is going to save you time. Now that's in a competitive perspective, but in a tactical environment, let's talk about like your classic tooler drill right? Mm-hmm. Tooler principle. And, and the way people run this a lot of times, particularly in like force on force is you put a threat running at you. Okay. And you don't want to be standing still, right? It, the guys that lose in that force on force scenario where with a, a rapidly closing in threat are the ones that stay stationary. Yeah, or or they're trying to backpedal straight back, like trying sure. to outpace, you know, trying to make enough distance to mm-hmm. give them enough time to draw, right? Yep. Like it doesn't yep. it doesn't work. You can't you can't make you can't make up enough distance to give you enough time to yep. draw on somebody who's closing distance on you. Your your adversary is running in a straight line. He's moving as fast as he physically can, right? And you're trying to backpedal. Mm, you will not outrun them. Now it might buy you enough time to do something, 
But what buys you even more time is trying to flank your adversary, mm-hmm. meaning you move laterally, right? And that forces them. Now they now they can't, they have no, no option to run straight at you. They now have to cover more ground because they now have to follow. They now have to turn. They now have to pivot, right? And so that is what buys you a lot more time is actually the lateral movement. Meanwhile, your priority is getting that gun out. So my point is, summing this all up, with movement and the draw, if it's going to be done as part of the same thing, I can be I can initiate my movement simultaneously as I'm getting my hand to my gun. This here's my goal as a as a competitive shooter because again in in competition shooting my my speed and efficiency is everything, particularly with stuff like movement. Because if I have to move and if I, if I have to draw my gun, that is not shooting. You can't score points per second. If you're not shooting. So I want those things to be done as efficiently as possible. So my goal is to get my gun out of the holster when I'm starting with a, with movement on the draw in, in less than two steps, in less than two steps. That's not a lot. It's not a lot of time. Okay. That should, but basically that my, I I give you that with the hope that it kind of gives you that, the, the perspective or the context that, oh, my gun can be out and I can be ready to put it into the fight in about two steps if I really need to. Okay. Maybe even almost one step. All right. If I'm taking three, four, five, and six steps and I'm still just getting, you know, my, my gun's just clearing the holster and, or maybe, maybe I've taken three steps and then my hand is barely getting to the gun. That's a problem as I see it in terms of efficiency. So I should have my gun clearing the holster by the time I've taken two steps versus take two steps and you're just barely getting your hand on your, on your gun. You, you can figure out pretty quickly who's going to, you know, if you had two adversaries going at it in a context like that, who's going to win? The guy that got his gun out of the holster immediately. Versus the guy that thought, I'm going to move really fast, and then at some point, I'm going to start thinking about getting my hand on my gun. Yeah, I think sometimes I I see people breaking this down on a a flat range, and it almost gets into the, like, a a, a rote drill of, like, slide step, get my my stance or whatever, draw, and then fire. And it's like, I know you're trying to incorporate movement into your draw, but the draw has to start either simultaneously or, or maybe sometimes even before the movement, because, you know, it can't happen where you're moving. Not, I'm not going to say every single time, right? Context is going to dictate, but when, when you see one of these drills where it's like, okay, we're going to draw and move and it's slide, step off, get my, you know, establish a, a stance, draw and shoot. It's, it's building it up in, in, in a, a I think, a an unnatural or, or, or a slower methodology. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, that pretty much nails it on the head. You know I mean? It, it, there's a comment here to, uh, um, Elkie says instructor zero has a great YouTube on this showing lateral move wins every time I've seen that video. And, and while I don't always agree with everything instructor zero does or puts out, uh, that, that video I think does illustrate this very well. Um, anyway, 
some things to think about, guys. So yep. with El Presidente, transitions, reloads, turns and draws, movement and draws. Okay. There's a couple of things. We can't shoot unless we have eyes on targets, right? We can't shoot if we don't get our hand to the gun early and get it out of the holster and on target as soon as possible, right? There's, we can be the best shooter in the world if we can't get our gun out of the holster reliably, consistently, and efficiently uh, when it's needed. It won't do us any good, all right? Um, transitions, work on shorting those things up, all right? Uh, there's actually another great comment a little bit ago from Jared. There he is, where he said, starting and stopping is slower than a consistent pace. And this is really interesting because I think he was saying this as part of a follow-up to, at least I think, I could be wrong, to the transitions that we were talking about, about you know treating uh, targets as a raise versus individual mm-hmm. targets. And instead of double tap, transition, double tap, transition, double tap. Um, what's interesting here is that I would say, I could say the same thing about movement, that starting and stopping is slower than just continuing a certain pace right and that's actually that that's absolutely true in the case of like footwork and foot movement because when we stop and set up it takes time and then it takes time for us to kind of coil the muscles up and push off and go right uh if i can move through a position when i'm shooting an array of targets versus stopping there shooting them and then moving it, it almost wins every time in terms of speed. just depends on the difficulty of the shots that's being made. But again, ap- applying this to transitions, really, I, I think that's absolutely what is, t- what is happening. When we have a consistent pace of one, two, three, four, five, six on, on three targets versus one, two, three, four, five, six, I think it's kind of the same thing. And I think that's a really interesting way of looking at it in terms of uh, of starting and stopping with transitions. Yeah, I'm going to do some more thinking on that. I think that's a, it, it's sort of like a hard stop versus, or, or a, a, a what, what's the term I'm looking for? You know, there's a sort of, a, there, there's the idea of you coming into a position hard, and plant and shoot versus coming into a position soft and you're shooting as you're coming into position. And that's kind of what we're talking about here with transitions in a way, mm-hmm. less movement or, le- or less time with the gun stationary, keeping things moving. Um, Got to be careful with that because it's easy to pull off targets early and to try to shoot multiple targets by, you know, simply passing the sights through the target and trying to time your shots. That doesn't usually work very well. Um, but the idea of like a hard stop versus a, a soft stop, um, interesting way of looking at it in terms of transitions. All righty. It's time to wrap it up. We do have a giveaway winner to announce. Matthew, what are we giving away today? Today we are giving away an ebook of uh, or e-copy of the legal boundaries by state, which I even referenced in one of our little chat questions here while during the podcast. So I saw that. Yeah. An ebook. So yeah. or e so, e-copy of it. Yeah, yeah. It's a online copy of the legal boundaries by state book. A guide for American ho- American gun owners uh, in all 50 states. It's a great guide for if you're traveling or anything like that. Uh, of course, it's always available on our website, 
concealedcarry.com. You can pick up a, a online or a paper copy of the Legal Boundaries by State. All right. So who is our winner today? Drum roll. Drum roll is uh, our winner is Matt. Starts with an S for his last name. We will email you Matt S. Um, and if if you your name is Matt S, just double check your spam folders because sometimes people don't claim or don't respond to the email I send out. And I have a suspicion that it may go to a spam folder or something like that. But cool. um, Matt S. Cool. Matt S. Congrats on, yes. on being this week's uh, podcast giveaway winner. Yep. Guys, a reminder, you can sign up each week for the podcast giveaway by going to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. Next week, I believe we're giving away a t-shirt. That is correct, sir. We are giving away the, uh, what is it? Walk softly and carry a big stick, I believe, mm-hmm. right? One of my favorites. And yeah. I think the first t-shirt we we released as a company. Uh, yes, or it speaks softly. Speak, speaks softly. Yeah, I say what? Speak, which is yeah. a which is a quote from uh, uh, President uh, um, Teddy Roosevelt. Roosevelt. Yep, yeah. Theodore Roosevelt, uh, kind of referencing his approach with foreign policy, and I think it's a wise approach, not only in foreign policy, but also defensively speaking, in interpersonal, you know, in interpersonal. Uh, uh, you know, communications and interactions with people. Uh, speak softly. Try not to ruffle flat feathers. Don't get into fights you don't need to get into. But if you have to, back it up with a big stick and be ready to put in. You know, put put your tools into into use when they are called upon and when they're needed. Yes, sir. Uh, don't look like a victim. All that kind of stuff. All all rolls together. Speak softly. Carry a big stick. Great words of advice awesome little uh, shirt with the, the saying on there and the uh, American flag and an air 15 on it. <laughs> Very cool shirt. America. <laughs> anyway, guys, we'll appreciate you being uh, with us in this episode today. We wish you all again, a happy Thanksgiving and we'll see you back here next week. Well, Matthew and I next week uh, again, this afternoon at 4 PM mountain time, uh, Jacob and I will be doing another episode. So we'll see you then too. Until then, train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care.